0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Chris Richards is because Chris was part of our February 29th, 2020 live show. 12-hour marathon Uh, was our last live show of 2020 due to the global pandemic. Uh, Chris was on the show during the Democratic National Convention in 2020. He wasn't on because of the Democratic National Convention. For some reason, I'm just able to mark time in my brain in that way. So this is Chris's first time back on the show since I want to say July. Um... He writes about music for the Washington Post, and I love talking about music with someone that writes about music for the Washington Post. Something that's also very obvious is we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at you, me, them, It's in this podcast description. It's on our About page. Here's the show. The last time I saw you in person was February 29th, but the last time we spoke was during the Democratic National Convention, and I'd say that neither of those times were extremely hopeful but they weren't that depressing either. And I feel like we've both weathered the depression between the DNC and now, and now we seem to be on a hopeful march towards a potential summer. As someone that writes about music and uh, was a musician and is a musician, what are your thoughts? What are your predictions on summer 2021 when it comes to music?
1: Wow. Well, I think people are going to rush right out into it foolishly um, and without as much care as they should uh, have. And I'm going to be personally going to be really cautious and freaked out about it. Um, My family has been like hyper, hyper bubbled, hyper quard during this um, past year. So to the point that like we feel very irregular when talking to friends about like what measures they are or, are or are not taking in their lives. So for me personally, it's going to be really, really weird because I know that the music world is just absolutely champing at the bit to get out there. And I'm still really scared of all this <laughs> and, and really want it to be, you know, 100%, you know, Fauci holds my hand and, and crowd surfs me.
0: The, I'm not that dissimilar from you in that. That being said, I am very intrigued with the outdoor potential with all of this. I have no desire to go to a black cat or nine 30 club for indoor reasons, even though I prefer sure. to go to black cat above pretty much any established venue. But I'm interested to see if this Weezer show that's scheduled for Nats park, I think in like August or September happens because I could see that being relatively safe, especially considering today. I don't know if you saw the, the Cubs and White Sox are allowing 20% capacity. So there's like between eight and 9,000 people and I could totally see that working for a live concert thing, especially by September. What are your thoughts on big outdoor events around then?
1: Well, you know what? I'd be more interested in attending, I think, are small outdoor events. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. a tinier a tinier thing without um, a stadium structure around me would make me feel a lot more comfortable. You know, right here in D.C., there's this great venue called Rhizome up in Tacoma Park, like right at the very top of the diamond, in Washington, D.C. And they have been doing, I think they've done a couple more than a couple outdoor performances in their yard, which, you know, it was all socially distanced and masked when the weather was still nice. Those are the kind of things that I'm going to be safe, feel the safest personally being a part of first. But yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm still just so worried that we're going to, you know, one step forward, two steps back with this thing. And I don't want, and I would hate for the music community to be a, a big culprit in, in slowing down the progress that we all need to make as a society. Do
0: mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I I don't disagree, but it's I highly doubt anything. By, by the time these large-scale events are going to come, what happened at the White House with the Amy Coney, Coney Barrett nomination, that will be a bigger super spreader event than most any outdoor concert.
1: I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong. I, will, I would love to be so, 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 so wrong. Nothing... Would make me happier than being wrong
0: <laughs> all of that being said is i'm with you i'm very hesitant of this and i think that until there's more info about the vaccines but i think we're in a similar boat here we have small children that can't get a vaccine and because of that i'm very hesitant to do anything for god knows how long
1: i'm right there with you that's exactly my scenario if i was a single person mm-hmm without elderly parents uh, in the picture or living nearby yeah I'd be one of the people I'd be at the Weezer show. I don't even like Weezer yeah <laughs> I'd be there um, so uh, yeah it, it's just uh, all these unknowns and I, just, I hate to sound like the you know the, the spoil sport or the party pooper or whatever but uh, yeah man that's where I'm at.
0: How is, how's parenting right now?
1: Oh, good. Um, we have a just turned three year old and a just turned five month old. And the one thing, you know, this whole year, now that we're coming up on the year anniversary of being, you know, um, working from home and things like that, I've really tried to like look and be like, what have I done with myself this year? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't expect to, you know, the, the, you know, right, King Lear, like the dumb joke that everyone was making at the beginning of the pandemic. But um, I think when we all look back on it, I'll say, oh, wasn't it cool that I got to spend all this time with my children when they were so so young? So you know, they drive us up the wall, and they're really really hard to juggle because the house is chaos and we're both still working but again i shouldn't complain because i'm always reminded of all these frontline workers who are out there in the world getting coughed on by people who don't care about masks and you know my life is very peachy and very very comfortable and i get to be home with my children for a year so i think i will look back with some kind of fondness over all of this for sure that's nice
0: what is yeah. your three-year-old's child care situation
1: um she's at home yeah with us all day long so we're not putting her back in a to preschool or anything like that for, for a while.
0: Are you at all worried about her socialization?
1: Yes, we are. Um, we have, she has young cousins, her age that we're bubbled in with. So she sees them every week when we're all kind of in the bubble together, they, we see them weekly or even more. So it's not like, yeah, no children whatsoever, but yeah, she definitely has developed friendships with the characters on Sesame street to a degree that I'm like, this is cool, but (laughs) maybe not, maybe not totally cool.
0: Besides Sesame street, what does she watch?
1: Um, that's kind of it we've been watching this yoga thing in the morning cosmic kids i forget the name of the host but she's famous internet famous for toddler yoga community um and then other than that i mean this will sound very corny and on brand so to speak but she loves music so we listen to music all the time and she really really surprises me with what she likes which what's is your really favorite cool.
0: bands or artists right now
1: um, she was singing Raspberry Beret by Prince when she went to bed Which was a huge beginning of pandemic hit And then for whatever reason just popped back into her mind And that's again. because
0: you and Prince are both Jehovah's Witnesses And you just want to spread the faith
1: <laughs> Yes exactly exactly.
0: But besides, I, you know I apologize for that fact that people like to ignore uh, What else does she
1: enjoy <laughs> Well the really cool thing that she does Is like she'll um, We just like shuffle music in the car together And then she'll say like I like that song And we'll play it again So and then sometimes she gets like a loop, wants to hear it over and over again. So the crazy song she wants to hear constant it's crazy that she wants to hear it constantly – is um, The Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. Nice. <laughs> remember? Yeah, yeah. We listened it, and the other day we drove to my parents' place out in Annapolis, and we listened to it nine times in a row. Well, um, it's
0: not a bad song, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a great song. I was, like, I was like, I'll go as long as I can. The funny part about it is if you remember the song, there's kind of like that um, – sound of like partying in the background like Mm -hmm. charivari kind of like conversation and i'm like i'm gonna listen to this enough times that i'm gonna like memorize what they're saying you know because they're not really saying anything it's kind of like hey woo, ha ha ha," you know but i'm gonna i need to put headphones on and see if there's actual words in there if anybody's saying like you know you know pass me a drink whatever who knows um but if i can memorize the background conversation of the party ambience in that song I'll be proud of myself as a listener for sure.
0: My person is between your people's ages. And so he's his three favorite bands are the Muppets, the Stooges and the Ramones.
1: Oh, great. All cool. very closely related. <laughs> yeah, probably
0: in that order. And I'm trying to figure out the, the DNA of why, like his favorite song is phenomena which is not the worst song to have to play a billion times a day. So I'm cool yeah. with that. And like, he likes, I think it's the propulsion of the drums at a certain rhythm where it's just like, it like clicks
1: for him now have you done your phenomena homework because it was oh, like an italian cover, novel i know i know it. I know. yeah yeah yeah. i didn't know that until i till i my kid got me into it so, so there well, yeah you go.
0: why would you know that well i don't know <laughs> how would anybody know that unless you have a kid
1: but yeah of course i know it's a
0: cover i'm not an idiot what do you think of the muppets version of smells like teen spirit from the jason siegel muppet essentially reboot
1: uh, you know, I haven't. Is it was it part of the movie or was part it part of the, of the movie, television yeah. show?
0: It's in the I, mo- it's in the movie that they they stage the variety show and Jack right. Black is the the celebrity they kidnap and they um, barbershop quartet smells like teen spirit. Well, Jack Black is y- like yelling, they they should not do this because it's sacrilegious.
1: Because I love the Muppets and because I have zero recollection of what you're talking about right now, I think I haven't seen that film. It's really good.
0: Yeah, I bet it is. It's really, really good. They followed it up with Muppets Most Wanted, which is not was Station Seagull's is not attached, so it's like okay. it felt like a cash in. It still has its moments, but it's not nearly as good.
1: I'll have to watch. We got um actually we bought the DVDs of the Muppet Show for like the first three seasons, I think, or so I can't remember what it is. But mm-hmm. we're we're going we're going chronologically and not quite there yet. So, so this is for you, The other answer for you too, when you asked about television, another big hit is um uh, we watched the Pee Wees. Christmas special Pee Wee Herman Christmas special. Oh yeah. It's great uh, around the holidays. And then we got the complete DVD set of that. So she's really big into Pee Wee's right now. That's too. Awesome.
0: So I'm, I got a 19 month old and it's like a, he's a little too young to like anything.
1: Yeah, sure. So you're, you're, you're about to cross into a really cool zone for sure.
0: We're the only shows that we put on for him that are Sesame street, Daniel tiger's neighborhood, Mr. Rogers, but he doesn't care at all. So we don't play that at all. Curious George yeah. and Thomas. And we're both. My wife and I are cool with Thomas because of the George Carlin thing. So hopefully he'll hear George Carlin and have a wonderful association with him before he understands what George Carlin is saying.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I
0: like that. Uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood is just it's it's so saccharine and beautiful. I don't cool with it. And Sesame Street has gotten so much better because of the HBO buyout.
1: Yeah, it's and, it's all there. There's so much of it.
0: I had no idea how much that show had changed since we were kids.
1: And here's the funny part, and I, I know we're probably if do you find that your podcast listenership is mostly parents because everyone's just tuning out right now because it's if,
0: mostly people my age, like <laughs> I'd say the uh, between 28 and 48.
1: Stick with us, we're gonna make it salient to all of y'all who don't have kids. Um, the Sesame Street thing that's fascinating to me is that every new iteration that comes through with like new characters and stuff, I'm just repulsed by it. I'm like, what is this is awful. Yeah. And then your child teaches you to love stuff because it makes them happy, and then you go, oh, you know what? I see why. You're into this, you know what I mean? And you come to love all these new characters and segments and the way that the show is paced and put together and stuff. I do think that the character Murray has a cocaine problem big time. <laughs> that's like my secret dark thing that I won't talk to my toddler about, obviously. Is um,
0: Murray the one that cooks with Cookie Monster?
1: No. Oh, that guy, that's a probably a whole different set of drugs. Murray is the guy who is like kind of like the host in, like, I guess, maybe like the 2010 to 2016 era he like starts off like, Hi, I'm Murray, welcome to Sesame Street. What's the word on the street? And they do like he's like he kind of like sees segment to segment. He's like the interstitial kind of character. That's interesting. He's total spaz that's right and he shouts, be- Oh boy, all the time. He's like just That's over the right top.
0: before HBO buyout. So I think they cut him.
1: Oh I, I watched him on HBO this morning baby He's on there No
0: no I understand that but if is he part of the new ones though
1: Oh you're saying he's cut from the current team uh, Very well could be we have not gotten there yet yeah, we're, exactly. we're like literally in 2015 right now or 2016 or something
0: Yeah we're sort of doing chronological I'm assuming you're using HBO Max here That is correct Yeah so <laughs> we're currently for some odd reason I think I was just looking for an uh, Oscar episode So like we're in the middle of 2019 Okay So I'd, I've yet to see this dude and it's interesting that when they recycle Emils world footage from, yeah. <laughs> right. from, from like, you could tell just the stock is different. Yes, totally. Totally. Um, and so that brings me to the obvious question. What are your thoughts on Dave Grohl being also, um, a, a, like omnipresent in the Muppets almost as much as he is in the rock and roll world.
1: Um, I think he has a very good instinct for, making people like him and being in places where people are liking things and associating themselves with that thing. Does that make sense? It does like, make sense. It totally so makes sense. So he he wants to be loved so much um so he goes to if he can't manufacture the love himself, he will go to where the love is already being shared and just drop right in and act right at home. And I can't tell I mean, that's a talent for sure, um, but I haven't figured out how I feel about it yet. I would love to like. I mean, I I think Dave Grohl is a force for good by and large, mm-hmm. but he's he's so omnipresent that it makes me I don't know. I'm I'm suspicious of anybody who's around too much. If that makes sense.
0: I'm suspicious of anyone that likes certain venue owners who have a a, a past with prostitutes that much.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't know what you're talking about, but onward.
0: I. Why are you denying? <laughs> The past, present, and future of maybe the most important DC booking agent in the in the country, the most important I'm, DC booker. Period.
1: I just don't need to get myself in, in, into this <laughs> oh, we're talking about oh, Dave Grohl and the Muppets. It's a, it's a. There's a direct line. Kind of a hey, yeah, right on. <laughs>
0: Look at you playing it safe now. You know. Do you me. really also think that someone listening is listening and is going to be like, "Ooh, they're talking about proven facts." <laughs> <laughs> like, th- th- this is not hearsay and rumor. Almost everything I say, I know I can't get sued, so I'm always citing things that are real. But we could move on for sure. Let's talk about other non-problematic members of the Foo Fighters. How about the guy that denies AIDS?
1: That's also really dispiriting. And I believe he was the guy, one of the guys in Sunny Day Real Estate too, right? Yeah, Who Randall. were a high school band that I that I liked a lot in high school that didn't age too well in the long run but um, what's the
0: band that yeah, aged, what's the band that aged the least well from your high school love
1: well it's very funny that you asked this because I've been on a major like return to emo uh, nostalgia kick lately and I'm writing a story about not me emo necessarily but about nostalgic listening when there is no present like mm. all we really did was kind of living in the that. past so yeah give me like two weeks it'll be in the newspaper if I get it together but um um so you know emo short for emotional hardcore um was on and popping big time in the 90s when i was coming up in punk and i was really really into a lot of it and it's just so strange how um some of it uh just makes me like wince now and then some of it should make me wince but it doesn't it feels really genuine and um still cathartic in some way the one band that's the most vexing to me is this band called texas is the reason do you ever listen to them before yep. so texas is the reason i got there i rebought. i've been like rebuying all these seven inch records on discogs because they're like five bucks or whatever and it's like a fun thing to get mail every couple of days um and i bought i regripped the first texas is the reason seven inch and it's the one it's the it's the most confusing one for me because i don't like it but I like listening to it <laughs> and I, mean, I don't know what that means exactly. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. Like you, yeah, mean you enjoy it. it makes me, it does it's not like I say, this is, I don't feel the feelings that I feel when I like music, but there is something comforting about it. And I usually like really flinch at like familiarity. Like I don't want to feel, I don't want to, travel back to the past it makes me feel claustrophobic i don't want to time travel you know what i mean i don't want to remember back in the day wasn't it better back then because i don't believe it like i always kind of believe the future is whatever and i think the reason that maybe some of the music from our adolescence feels good to us is because it reminds us of a time when like there were possibilities ahead of us Mm -hmm. but i still feel that way about life i think you know um I, i i'm 41 and i'm guessing I'm probably about halfway through this trip. You know what I mean? And that's not, and that's like a lot of life left. Like I get my whole life again. That's pretty like, that's not like a midlife crisis to me. That's like very inspiring. So this Texas is the reason record very interesting though too, because it's like, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't feel fulfilling, but there's some kind of like familiarity that doesn't feel suffocating. And I've really been trying to figure out what that is. And I love when music makes me feel a way that I can't explain to myself. So
0: may I pause it something here? Please go right ahead. So you like the genre a lot, but you weren't were you incredibly familiar with that first 7-inch when you were of the age that it was supposed to yes. be important to you? Yeah, my
1: girlfriend had it, we listened to it in her bedroom and stuff. Yeah, for sure.
0: That specific record. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Because my only and- thing was like it was it scratches an itch that it's like a new old itch, like it's like you're refining the scab in a weird way and the but it, that Clearly is not the case, so that's interesting. Yeah, I can't, that's I can't interesting. figure it
1: out because, like, normally, like paradoxes are are always interesting to me, like music that pulls you in two directions. But this one is almost like a total inert feeling that is still intriguing. Like inertia has never felt compelling to me, and for some reason, this little record does, and I and I'm I'm trying to get to the bottom of it.
0: So I've had to but come just, to... But
1: just the seven inch too. That's the other part, like the whole yeah. full length is like nails on a chalkboard to me mainly because the singer's voice does something that does not resonate with me on a cellular level, like in a positive way. So, um, even though he was in a really sick band called copper before that, check out copper, everyone from so Buffalo, New York. <laughs> I
0: needed, to do, I had to do some emotional truth telling with myself because I had always associated emo, not necessarily the first wave or your second wave, but the like, um, they Chicago. What's that label called a super problematic label owner. You try to have, um, a special deal with Apple. Jesus, what's their name? Oh, this is going to kill me. I had to deal with them. They were assholes. Anyways, the Taking Back Sundays of the world, right? you sure, yeah. That, like, is that, because third wave? I don't know, whatever. It seemed to me that it was uh, music made for people of privilege, and it was predominantly white and predominantly male, and it seemed incredibly sexist, where the woman is always at fault, and there, there were very few people of color, so I had always associated it with... Upper white middle class bad people, but only looking back now and knowing that not just white people like this and seeing who that influenced now. Like if you look at the Spotify modern punk, it's like a ton of direct descendants of that. A lot of people of color, a lot of women. So maybe I was wrong all along. It's just I didn't like the frontmen of the time.
1: I think you're very accurate on both accounts too and it's really i mean in in rap music it's huge like all these rappers talking about emo this emo that and like knowing the the groups and knowing the sound it's really wild the era that was my time was like promise ring braid get up kids like before the taking back sunday warp tourification of it all not that i'm not saying that like i'm some kind of purist or whatever but just just sometimes
0: you're 41.
1: yeah exactly so that's where it was and it was the first music that i dropped cold turkey too like when i was 19 and i got to college like by the time like sophomore year came around i was like oh this is not cool anymore yeah. and it was like let me let me liberate myself of this so i'm trying to sort of pick up some of those abandoned threads in life i think through my music listening while we're yeah. sitting here waiting for real life to resume
0: i wonder if any kids are going to drop styles of music because the, i i don't know if they will I, I feel like the shame level has gone away in a in a very good way <laughs>
1: Well, I think th- that's probably true. And another thing I've noticed with young people is it's like chronology doesn't matter anymore. Like there's not like when we try to compare and say like, oh, this wave of rap music is akin to like how new wave was yeah. forming in rock music in the 80s. Like those things just don't translate over. Like history doesn't really repeat because history is a part of what young people are listening to right now. Like they really see YouTube as, you know, their outlet and YouTube has Frank Sinatra on it and it has mm-hmm. Journey and it has you know the Fugees and it has you know something that just came out last week so, so you
0: wrote that piece what like three years ago
1: I did write a piece about YouTube a couple yeah maybe it was two and a half yeah probably coming a really up good three piece times. and Thank I don't you. know if
0: this was in that piece but it, it's making me think that I, I don't think it was in the piece the difference between now and when we were of that age and we were the most important musical era like what 11 to 15 probably usually. yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> right the access is what was lacking, right? So it's not that I didn't like the things I didn't know about. I just didn't know about them, and there was literally no way for me to find out about them. I still remember going into a record store trying to buy a Neil Young record when I was, like, 14 because I liked Pearl Jam, and they were playing with Neil Young, right? That, right. And I cool. literally didn't know where to start, and I felt overwhelmed because it's like, wait, this guy's got, like, 30 records, and then there's also Crosby Seals and Nash and Young, and there's also Buffalo Springfield. Like, I felt dumb. So I like I just walked out and didn't buy anything. But now obviously their entire catalog is right there. Why waste any time?
1: Yeah, it's also like a fifteen dollar commitment. Like how many lawns did you mow to buy that Neil Young record that may suck? You know, I mean it's glass half full, glass half empty too. Because I think the other argument is that music is so available now that like people aren't having precious careful listening experiences. I don't know if I buy that, but like, say you're in the same, a parallel conundrum today where there's 30 Neil Young records to listen to. It's like, are you going to pick one and listen to the whole thing? Will you just listen to a couple songs and realize it's for you or it's not. Um, these are kind of like the back and forth, but I try not to like, I've tried to really make a resolution to not, to not worry about the youth. Oh, <laughs> like no, people. I feel great.
0: And if anything, your daughter listening to The Rhythm of the Night like nine times in a row and like singing Raspberry Beret, I'm assuming she didn't buy the Prince vinyl or the club (laughs) remix of Rhythm of the Night. You probably have that on Spotify or something like it. And that's how she discovered it. And that's a beautiful thing that literally anyone with an internet connection could have.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that. And it's cool, too, because if if I had heard Rhythm of the Night when I was a child on the radio, it's like. And I tell my parents that they're like, well, let's keep listening to the radio and wait for it to come back on, yep. you know, like maybe we'll hear it again in five hours. Um, so, yeah, you're totally right. I'm with so,
0: it. I, in a weird way, I think I'm now just by having this conversation, I'm re- thinking that maybe my favorite music, if I had Internet as a kid growing up, I would have never stopped listening to like club music that was targeted specifically towards gay discos.
1: Yeah. Right. Because my- <laughs> like I try- like the house boom of like the 80s when it kind of crossed over yeah, that was radio. my favorite
0: stuff yeah. on the radio yeah. and like i remember yeah. buying the um a single of cc peniston's finally which is like a huge gay anthem and i didn't know yeah. anything at the time i just love that song and like yeah. why would really i never stamped?
1: yeah 89 for me was the year that i would listen to the radio and read comic books all day that was like a saturday in heaven for yeah. me so like all the radio hits and that house kind of pop crossover that was happening on mainstream radio was like nothing but fondness that's a really i mean i might be right there with you the other part about music too is that how you use it to pledge identity though as well and i remember kind of having those sort of like crossroads situations like in seventh grade like nirvana was big and rap music was big and it was kind of like which one are you going to be into because you can't you have to have I, no one said this to me outright of course but in the back of my mind i was like subconsciously probably even like what am i going to dress like You know what I mean? Like, what kind of hair should I have? You know what I mean? Like, I can't be into both these things at once, which, of course, is absolutely out the window for young people these days, which is great.
0: It's beautiful. Here's an interesting... Maybe maybe this isn't interesting at all. I don't know. Um, I went to Catholic school my entire life, so I had a uniform from pre-K through the end of high school, so you weren't able to do certain things to your face, to your hair. Your dress was determined by them. I don't know if that made me more or... I think it made them, like made me more identity based in my musical selections.
1: Cool. No, yeah, I'd so. you'd want you No, oh, we'd well, want to have something to, you know, say that this is what I stand for. So yeah, for sure.
0: No, because I think I shut out people that liked music like emo music, that liked sexist hip hop, that liked bad metal because I was so like no I am pure I am right these are the people on the oh, yeah. right side of history you are wrong we're like now right. I'm like you know what fucking Guns N' Roses has a lot of great songs and Axel kind of apologized for a lot of that shit maybe they were always good and like that kind of thinking you know what I mean
1: right yeah for sure for sure
0: anyways is Pinkerton the most problematic record of the 90s in terms of uh, <laughs> identity politics
1: uh, it's up there it's up there for sure I know I said at the very beginning that I don't like Weezer but I'm that's a bit of a lie because the first record I think is really good
0: uh, first foo, fuf- first two Foo Fighters records are maybe perfect. I can't think of a band oh, whose yeah. drop off is so dramatic. Yet I listen to every single new thing they release, thinking like maybe they are able to capture those first two records.
1: Yeah, I have the first one uh, for sure in the in this home. I'm looking at the shelf that it sits on right now.
0: It's uh, it's incredibly disappointing. I'm not. All- so here- there's two reasons why I'm sort of always into nostalgia and hate nostalgia. I rank everything by year right and you um, told me this before yeah? I love the, this is the way my brain works and it's beautiful and I love it and I and I feel like I'm getting a history of the world in a way I never thought I would and also um, my wife and I are going to finally be able to do our like kids dance like our all ages dance party with no kids music so I'm always listening for music at a certain bpm that is relatively kid friendly <laughs> cool that like raspberry Beret like I'm fine with that but some parents might not be so we, that's like that's on the fence
1: Yep. Yep. I had a friend who went in and um, he got like a audio editing tool and like edited curse words out of songs like meticulously, like Jay-Z songs and things like that, because he wanted to make sure that his kids were listening to everything. And I was like, wow, man, that is a high, high level of dedication. Is that dedication or is that denial? Denial how?
0: You're denying what the music is.
1: Um, That's it. Wow. Well, I guess I'll have to think about it a lot more. I mean, he made the decision that he did not want his children to hear certain words at a certain age. But he still wanted them to feel the sonic experience. But of hear it, I me guess.
0: out. What are those words? Is it something sexist? Is it something homophobic? Or is it, is it a slur? And if that slur is not those things, why is that a bad thing?
1: Um, well, I guess I never heard what the, the, the actual edits themselves, but I'm going to guess it was all profanity, all. You but know, not
0: all profanity is necessarily a bad thing. And this is why I play my kid Thomas the Tank Agent so he could watch George Carlin and understand this.
1: <laughs> so yeah, when I mean, well, that's interesting. Tell me about your what do you, what's your philosophy on teaching your child profane words?
0: It's too. I haven't soon. thought about it yet. It's too soon because the whole accidentally say them and get in trouble.
1: Do you? I was going to say, do you? Would well, you police yourself and how you speak around your child?
0: I do my best. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have not. We haven't gotten that far yet because we haven't had a copycat curse word yet. So yeah, we
0: had one. I don't, I'll change my whole. Yeah, we had one a diaper change on a road stop during the COVID times <laughs> in Indiana. So the only time he's ever said the F word was in Indiana, which is more than appropriate.
1: <laughs> it was across state lines. He's safe. No problem.
0: What a horrible, horrible <laughs> state. Anyways, it, this is a serious thing that I've been thinking about. Is it gallows humor that Mike Pence was almost hung by uh, supporters and then tried to never get rid of those supporters because he wants to be president still?
1: Man... Yes. Is it, wait, is it funny that that's, that, that happened? You're like, Should that
0: also be a definition of callous humor? Like, should the dictionary be updated?
1: <laughs> With the illustration? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've been oh, racking the, my brain. I yeah, spoke to... That yeah, was, was directed on the mall that day. Yeah. I'm still getting... I mean, I hate to sound like the exhausted quarantine guy who hit the wall. Because honestly, too, we, everyone's talking about the wall, the wall, we're hitting the wall. For me, it's not a wall. It's almost like... Um, like a trench. Like I'm, I feel like I'm at the bottom of the trench. You know what I mean? And I know. And now I'm. At the, I, you can see the light up there, and it's it's coming. But you also have to get all the way back up it. Like, and it's gonna take effort for me mentally to get back up it. And I still have not. I have not processed. I haven't processed the election. I haven't processed the. Uh, you know the interim Trump uh, lame duck session. I haven't processed what Biden is doing now and how he's failing on the m- multiple fronts. My brain is absolutely empty um, for anything other than trying to write about music, which is the thing that's putting you know, dinner on the table right now. So I'm useless to you, man. I'm useless to you.
0: I thought you only said the word trench, so you could uh talk about trench mouth.
1: <laughs> hey, want to talk about trench mouth? Yeah, sure. I got a cool thing I can tell you about. Um, Damon Locks from Trench Mouth has a new group called Black Monument Ensemble, um, and they um, are releasing... Um, a new album i believe in april and the little snippets that are floating around are beautiful and cool and if you're interested in jazz music um check out black monument ensemble so this out. might that? be the
0: most dad pandemic thing i've ever said i think i might have told you this like over the pandemic i'm really getting into hard bop and randy newman
1: great wait what's hard bop like hard bop like the like jazz yeah Oh yeah! Cool. Great. Like a, I thought bop, immediately. I thought hard Bop was like a like a like a more edgy variant of kids bop or something.
0: <laughs> so I I tried to listen to the like lullaby versions of Nine Inch Nails and Jay Z and Beyonce and like I can't stand them.
1: Yeah, that's bad. Just yeah. Well, that's what you're talking about. Play the play the real stuff for the for the yeah. and Let them hear. Um,
0: um, here, here's the thing. You're a little bit more cautious than I've been because uh, my kids started a co-op thing. In February, so he is now seeing other kids because mm-hmm. sanity reasons, right? And because sure. of that, that changes everything. But he's he seems to have like grown more, and I don't want to take him out of that because of the obvious and the. In theory, the instructors have been vaccinated, but I'm also like I'm just lying to myself because there's literally no way to prove this. Like I I can't ask. It's it's a it's a HIPAA violation to like pull records. Like what? So it's interesting that like the, the, to me, the, the the person that is a cultural appreciator of an art form that is inherently dangerous is one of the most cautious people I know in a global pandemic. (laughs) And it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. It's an admirable thing.
1: Thank you. Question mark.
0: It's a complete compliment.
1: We've had Thank you. We've had complete privilege with it. The Washington Post, my wife works for the Washington Post as well. We both write in the same department in the style section, features department, and our overlords have been incredibly generous with being flexible. She's been on um, maternity leave now for six months. I'm about to go on my parental leave at the end of this month, and I'll be off until the middle of July because there's a really gent- generous parental leave policy now at the Post, which is great. So our caution is Uh, is is privileged in a huge, huge way. So we're very, very lucky to be that way. And my heart goes out for all the families who haven't been able to make, have had to make hard decisions about it, you know? So we're very lucky in that sense.
0: Um, I'm glad you're lucky. I enjoy reading your stuff. Um, It's nice to know that the local paper isn't horrible. um, And coming from Chicago, it's very disappointing that the local paper there is very horrible. (laughs)
1: And, and constantly being gutted and bought and sold yeah. oh my gosh you know what a mess so yeah we're, we're thank you for saying that and and not to be too sentimental or whatever but like it's a real the connection feels real with the readers in Washington and like covering music in DC I know that it matters to the people who live here even in this when you can't even go see these artists live to know that there's people in your community your neighbors are, are busy making sounds and sharing them with the world through all this it's, it's really meaningful to, to me and, and I hear from readers all the time who are into it so yeah um, it's, it's a, a lot of love in both directions, and I'm very, very thankful for it, especially this year.
0: You, Me, Them, Everybody is made by me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at you, me, them, everybody.com If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes... The last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones if you want the rest of the catalog which features over 700 episodes you meet them everybody dot com our patreon page is on our about page it's all there follow us on Instagram Twitter all that good stuff at sign YMTE thanks for listening I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping friends and family I'll be keeping won't